Where we are today, I'm, I'm excited to be here, glad you're here. I, we're in this series, Chris just kind of mentioned, the, this series called More, that is all about asking three critical questions. Who did God create me to be? What did God create me to do? And where did God create me to go? The last three weeks, we've been talking about the answers to those questions as our common calling. The answers that are the same for all of us, no matter where we are. Who did God create me to be? And the answer is, he created me to be a disciple of Jesus. He created me to be a child of God. That's, that's incredible news for us. Uh, wh- what did he create me to do? Well, he created me to impact people with the grace of Jesus. He created me to be a disciple who makes disciples. That's true for all of us. And the third question, where did, where did he design that to happen? He, create, he designed for us to do that wherever we are. Where are we supposed to go? It's right where we are. That's the answer that's the same for all of us. That's our common calling. That's what we spent the last three weeks talking about. Today we turn the corner and, um, and we make a shift from our common calling to our unique calling, the, the calling that's different for every single person who's in here, every person. Uh, I, I've got uh, five kayaks up on stage, all right? I, I can tell you about all these five kayaks. They were all created for a common purpose, right? To float in the water, to transport, to do all that kind of stuff. But every one of these kayaks is unique. This kayak that's here down front is a kayak for two people, all right? This is a different kind of function. It's designed for a different purpose than the rest of them. Some are red, some are yellow, some one's green. Some are more beat up and dirty than others. Some of them have have interacted a lot more with rocks and stones and jagged stuff on the bottom of creeks. So they're all beat up a little bit more. Some of them are faster than others. One's a little bit more stable than the, the rest. They're all unique in terms of how they're used and what, they're, what they do. Um, everyone's different because of why it was created, where it's been, and how it's been used. That's true of each of us as well. Next three weeks, we're looking at our unique calling, the calling that we have from God. Who did God create me to be? Who did God create Rick Rubel to be? Fundamental to that issue, uh, in order for the next three weeks to make any sense at all, you've got to get this one truth and really, really grasp it. It's that God made each person unique, right? God made each person unique. God's a creative God. I think if I were in charge and, and it was creation and I was, and I was creating trees, I would think, oh, you know what? Yeah, gotta have an apple tree because you gotta have some apples. Gotta have an oak tree, big, tall, those kind of things. Uh, maybe a pear tree and a cherry tree. I, I'd probably stop at five or six trees. Do you know how many different varieties of trees exist in the world? Over 60,000, 60,000 different kind of trees that God made. You know how many different species of birds there are in our world? Over 10,000 species. There's over 20,000 different species of fish, freshwater uh, and saltwater. 20,000 different species of fish. Nearly seven billion people populate the earth right now, the world where we live, and not any two of them 
are the same. God made each person unique. David wrote an incredibly, uh, he wrote an incredible song in Psalm 139 that says this, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, God. I know that full well. My frame, my shape wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed body, God. All the days ordained for me, every day of my life, were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you understand that David's not describing a General Motors plant or a Ford plant that's mass-producing tens of thousands of cars when he writes Psalm 139? He describes the work of a master craftsman working on a masterpiece. The prophet Isaiah said, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you're the potter. We are the work of your hand. Get, there's this picture that Isaiah says that, that God is, is working the wheel, the, the wheel spinning, the piece of clay is there, and he's shaping it and crafting it into a beautiful masterpiece that can be used and used and used. God created us to be unique. Hear this, we'll never discover what God created us to do until we recognize who God created us to be, that God created us unique. S some of us, though, have trouble believing that, right? We have trouble believing that we're unique. We look around, and we see here at North Point, we see twins, we see Jason and Mike Beebe, and think, good night, who can tell those guys apart? They're grown men, but I don't know that their wives can tell them apart. You know, they look so much, Todd and Tyler and McCastle, they look so much alike. And we think, I mean, we look at Chris and think, no, there's nobody like Chris, uh, you know. Um, I like words. One of, my, one of the words that I love a lot is the word doppelganger, right? It's a German word. It's a word that means that there's somebody that looks exactly like you, but they're not related by blood in any way. Doppelganger. Uh, doppelgangers are great. Twins are great, but they're not identical copies. Um, here's a picture of me, all right? up on screen. I'm an average height guy, little above average weight. I, you know, I like to think that I'm distinctive in my looks, but about a month ago on Sunday after church, Deb and I went to El Chara, Mexican restaurant over on Shavy. Um, we eat our meal, talk, had a great time, go to check out. And this guy comes up to me and he says, he says, I got to ask you, did anybody ever tell you how much you look like Dave Ramsey? Um, and I thought, that's not all bad, you know, I'll take Dave Ramsey, the financial advisor, he's got all kinds of resources and stuff. Um, that's, yeah, if I was a little more tan, right, I, I, could, I could get there. About three years ago, we were down in Florida, we were in Orlando, we were there for a conference, and we go to this restaurant, and the, and the waiter comes up, and I could tell, you know, sometimes when you're, when, when you're in a restaurant, and the wait staff kind of sees you, and you can tell something's just not right, this guy is just looking at me, and, and it's kind of like he's tentative to come wait on our table, he finally comes up, and he says, he says, you know, 
we have we have actually have a lot of famous people that come in here and I have to ask are you are you the guy who plays Walter White Uh, (laughs) legit I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth now I had to ask, who's Walter White? <laughs> uh, several years ago, I learned that he was the star of uh, the show Breaking Bad, right? He's about this high school chemistry teacher that turns into a meth, uh, crystal meth producer. He's, he's a very, very bad guy, right? Um, I would much rather do the Dave Ramsey thing than Walter White. One of the lies that, Satan's, that Satan whispers in our ears is that we're not any different than anybody else. Satan, Satan says, you know what? Your talents aren't that exceptional. Your interests aren't that interesting. Your intellect isn't all that great. You're not different than anybody else. So it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if God has made you unique or not because you're, you're just like everybody else. At some point, At some point, even though we have a desire to make a difference with our lives, we come to this conclusion that we're not going to live an extraordinary life. We're not going to be a professional athlete. We're not going to single-handedly find the cure for cancer. We're not going to become president. We're not going to walk on the moon. We're not going to own our own company. That creates in us this sense of hopelessness the sense of a loss of meaning in our lives. Maybe, maybe you do go to work and maybe you do own your own business. Maybe you do become an executive in the company, but still Satan whispers in our ear and says, you know what, that business is not that important. It's not like you're the owner of Microsoft. You're, you're still the same person. Satan says, you're not unique. Your life doesn't matter all that much. We buy into the worldview of evolution, regardless of whether we agree scientifically with evolution, with the theory of evolution. We buy into the worldview because the worldview says, you're an accident. You're just a matter of chance. Two middle-aged Greek men were talking together about their families and about how their lives had turned out. One of the men is talking to the other guy, and he's talking about his large Greek family. He's got four sons and three daughters. He's telling all about them. They've got very Greek names, you know, got all that Greek heritage kind of thing going on. When he finishes talking about his last child, about who they married, where they live, all the stuff associated with that, he says, he says to the other guy, what about you? The second guy starts to walk, and he says, you know, when I met my wife, we decided that we wanted a small family. That, that was our plan. And so when my wife became pregnant, um, uh, we, we, we talked about names. And when our first daughter was born, we thought, oh, this is great. We're going to name her the first letter of the Greek alphabet. We're going to call her Alpha. A beautiful name. And the guy said, oh, that's great. He said, about two years later, my wife became pregnant again. And, and we, all we wanted was two kids. So um, we had our second daughter, and we named her Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet, Alpha and Omega. And the, and the guy with the big Greek family said, oh, that's, that's great. You know, that's still very Greek. He said, I'm so, sorry you only have two, but, that, you know, that's, uh, that's a good family. Kept walking a little bit. The guy said, about 12 years later, 
my wife became pregnant again. And the guy said, oh, really? What, what, what's the story? And he said, well, we had a son. He said, oh, that's great. Your family expanded. What'd you name him? And he said, Upsilon. <laughs> that's a Greek letter, just so you know. Uh, Upsilon. Here's the deal. That's a great story. But many of us live our lives believing that we are God's Upsilon that we're an accident, that we're some cosmic or genetic mistake. Understand, you are not God's upsilon. You are unique, cherished by God. You're the clay that God has lovingly fashioned into this vessel of incredible beauty and usefulness. You are loved by God so much that Jesus left heaven to come to earth so that you could have a relationship with God that would last into eternity. Do you understand how important you are and how unique God's design is on your life? David says that God saw every day of my life before I was even born. Some of you may be saying, yeah, you know what? Okay, I'll give you that. I am unique, but you know what? My life is a mess. I've, I just made such a mess of my life. Um, some of us, some of us believe that that we're defective, that that because of the bad decisions that we've made, because of the addictions that we have, because of the broken relationships that lie in our in our past, because of the things that have happened to us that we didn't have any control over, that that somehow we have blown up God's plan for our life and that it's never recoverable. Yeah, we're unique, but who cares if it's unique, if it's a mess? Paul wrote to the church in Rome and said, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Paul says, hey, here's the deal. No matter what's happened, no matter how bad you've blown up your life, God has a purpose for you. That uniqueness is still of incredible beauty. You know, if you talk to a theater, to a producer at a theater production company, one of the things that they'll talk about when they stage a play is to look at the environment where they're going to produce that play and to try and figure out how they can use that setting most effectively to, 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 uh, to live out the play, to demonstrate the play, to, to act it out. And so they'll, they'll do an inventory in a place like this that say, okay, what could we do in here that we couldn't do any place else? Well, we don't really have any wings. What could we do? And then look at the stage and, the, and the, they begin to think about, well, maybe we could do this here or this here. Sometimes the producer will have a great environment that has all the bells and whistles, intelligent lighting and fog machines and long wings and all that kind of stuff, and they'll maximize all that. But a great producer will take an environment that's difficult and be able to transform that in, into a tool that can communicate the message of that play in an incredible way. God produces us in a similar way. What Satan meant for evil, God takes and uses for good. That's the promise of his word because our uniqueness has a meaning. Our uniqueness has a purpose. Uh, it's there for us to find. 
God set us apart for a purpose. God made you unique so that you could serve his kingdom. Uh, He set you apart so that you could make a difference here on earth. Not just so that you could celebrate your uniqueness, but so that your uniqueness would further his kingdom. The importance of discovering your unique calling is not so that you can be fulfilled. It's so that you can serve. In serving, you find fulfillment. In searching for fulfillment, you find emptiness. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, We are God's handiwork, His workmanship, His craftsmanship, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He made us unique for a purpose. God prepared those works in advance for us. Two chapters later, Paul says, Christ himself, Jesus, gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip people, his people, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. God made each person unique, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. He made them unique so that the body can be built up. Our uniqueness has a purpose. The prophet Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I approved of you as my chosen instrument. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before you were ever born, God has a plan for your uniqueness to be used in the kingdom in a very specific way. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. That grace was given to us in Jesus before the beginning of time. Uh, This week as I was uh, as I was prepping for this message, I did a study that was incredible of, of, the, of the Greek word that gets translated a lot of different ways. It gets translated set apart. Sometimes it's translated made holy. Sometimes it's translated consecrated. And sometimes it's, it's uh, translated sanctified. All of those words carry this idea that God made us and he designed us for a purpose. He set us apart for a purpose, to be his people, to do his will. If we're going to try and understand our unique design, it's not going to happen this morning on Sunday morning. I've said everybody has a unique design. Everybody has a different um, level of uniqueness, a, a different way that God has created us. And in order to be able to find that, it's going to take three different things. It's going to take prayer, it's going to take introspection, and it's going to take hard work. I I want to encourage you, if you're serious about trying to figure out how God has wired you uniquely, you've got to set aside some time to pray and just talk to God and say, God, I need your help to figure out me. I need to figure out why I, uh, who I am, why I do things the way I do. Help me understand that. And then you need to set aside some time to be introspective, to just get away and think, to turn the TV off, to turn off all the noise, to do your own little two or three hour, maybe longer than that, personal retreat, and just think about your your life. 
because then it's going to come into the hard work piece. In chapter 12 of the book More by Todd Wilson that, that uh, has been kind of the, the structure for this series of messages for us, in chapter 12, Todd says to do, to do two different things. The first thing he says is to think back on your life. That's the introspection piece. Think back on your life and think about significant conversations that you've had over the course of your life. Think about significant events that have happened in your life. It doesn't matter if you're 15 or if you're 45 or if you're 85. Think, think back over the course of time to see what those things have been that have happened in your life. The second thing that he says, that's the introspection piece, the second thing that he says to do is to do some hard work. And he suggests three or four, using three or four different kinds of instruments to do some testing, to give you some, some, um, uh, some subjective material, some objective material, to be able to just look at your life through a different lens. To help explain that for you today, I ask a friend uh, to come up and be a part of today's message. So would you welcome Jana Rowan on stage? Jana's in our life group. Uh, she's a mom of two. Her daughter turned 14 today. Today, big stuff. Um, so what I asked Jana to do was to, to just do what, um, what Todd recommends in chapter 12 of the book More. Uh, he, uh, he talks about four different kinds of instruments, and I, I asked Janet to do three of them. The first was strength finders, to take the strength finders test. If, um, if you've got the app, the North Point app, I've got websites that are there in the app that you can go to, and uh, you can track those down. Uh, I have three of the four have, are, are free to do. Strength finders uh, uh, has 34 different strengths that they've been able to discover in people. And everybody has a different combination of those 34. It, uh, you, you do the test and it prioritizes them. It lists what your strongest strength is, what your weakest weakness is. Uh, that's, that's a good tool. The second thing is, um, is what, what I call APEST. It is the fivefold ministry tool. Um, and that, that scripture from, from Ephesians chapter four, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, um, Alan Hirsch has, has crafted a test to help people understand in the, in the, the context of the body where you fit. Um, uh, I'll talk more about that in just a second. The third one was the DISC profile. Many of you are aware or have used the DISC profile in your work. It has to do with your leadership style and how you connect with other people. It describes four different kinds of traits that, I'll, again, I'll talk about in a second. And Myers-Briggs. Um, didn't ask Janet to do Myers-Briggs, so we didn't bring that in. But again, that's a, a really useful tool as well. What Todd said is once you do those instruments, um, take the printouts. That, that come with that, that say, okay, this is who you are. And then just take a highlighter and highlight the things that are you exactly. All the things that you say, oh yeah, that's kind of true, that's true sometimes, eh, not so much. Don't pay any attention to that at all. Just highlight the things that, oh yes, that is me exactly. That, that's exactly who I am. Do that on, on each of the things that you take. And then you take that list those things that you've highlighted, and whittle that down to a phrase that's three, four, five words that describes your unique identity as clearly as you can. Let's do that with Jana right now. Uh, Jana's strength finders top five were these. Positivity, which means that she looks, she looks for good. She's optimistic. She looks for good all around her. Second thing, uh, her second strength was activator. That means that she likes to make things happen. 
She likes to accomplish things. Includer was her third. That means that she likes to take people and bring them in, bring them together. People who are on the outside, the people who are in the, in the back, in the dark, that, that I can't see very well. Jana would be after them to bring them in, let them be a part of the body. Um, the fourth trait for her was restorative. She likes to take broken things and fix them. Uh, not mechanically, just not mechanically, so but but she li- she likes to restore relationships. She like to bring bring people together. And her fifth her fifth strength was was empathy. She has a heart for people who hurt. When she did the fivefold ministry tool, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Don't get hung up in those specific words, but understand that these are the concepts that are there in the fivefold ministry tool. Apostles extend; they broaden the borders. Prophets know things. Evangelists recruit people. Shepherds nurture and protect. And teachers understand and explain to others. Janice's top two in, in the fivefold ministry tool were teaching, understanding, and, um, and helping to explain, and apostolic, the, the, uh, that apostle piece where, where uh, she's pioneering new and innovative work. She's extending stuff in a way that's never happened before. On the DISC test, um, there's, there's four different traits, directive or dominant, that's a person who's large and in charge, um, influencer, a person who oftentimes is, is a high people person that likes to influence the people around them. S stands for steady, a person who likes things calm. They, they, they wanna make sure that there's peace among people. The fourth is, is C, conscientious, a person who's able to look at things and figure out how to make them better. Um, Jana's top two in the disc were a way high directive, dominant, shocking, <laughs> uh, dominant kind of person, large and in charge. And her secondary one was steady or safe. Um, that's kind of a weird combination because most of the time, people who are high on that dominant scale don't like people at all. They just want to accomplish things. But she cares a lot about people. So those things together. So when we, when Jana did the tests and we went through them and said, okay, highlight all the things that are true of you. Here was her list of words, her initial list. She's a big picture person. She has a short attention span. Yes. <laughs> uh, she needs variety. She wants to include others. She's a self-starter. She initiates change. She's action-oriented. She thrives on direction with clear boundaries. She's optimistic. She's enthusiastic, energetic, impatient, inclusive, solution finder, empathetic, looks for the best in others. She's understanding. Now, some of you out there are saying, I want to get to know this person. All right? yes. She sounds really yes. interesting. And others of you are saying, please get her away from me. I don't want to be near her because of, of who she is. We took that list and we reduced it we reduced that list to four words. Jana, her unique identity is that of an optimistic, inclusive problem solver. No matter where she is, what she does, she's an optimistic, inclusive problem solver. She tries to bring people together to figure out ways to overcome obstacles. And she's always gonna see the best. Uh, you know what, I can make this happen. I can do that. Um, uh, now, let me just ask, uh, how do you feel about your job? Your job, good job, bad job, what is it? I love my job. You, I love my job. Like you really? I, it's not really a job. That's get, how much I love it, seriously. You get up every day? Looking forward to where I'm going to go that day. Um, yes. Anybody have any idea what her job is? Any ideas? 
Teacher, teacher. good. Mm. A she's a mom. That's yes. a big job. That's a big job. So, um, which, what is your vocational job, Jana? I'm a sign language interpreter. A sign language interpreter. Yeah. And what's that look like? Do you go to the same place every day and interpret? Um, no, it actually matches everything we've talked about so far. I go to different places every day, and sometimes during the day I might have an assignment like I did uh, one time where I was interpreting for a person that went through a horrible domestic violence situation. And then later on in the afternoon, I got called to go to the hospital to interpret a birth of a baby. So every day is completely different, which is good for my short attention span. And um, I'm not sitting in an office doing the same thing every day. And, and how broad is your area? Um, the whole state of Michigan. I can drive a thousand miles in a week. So do you understand, what, what's her phrase? Optimistic, inclusive, problem solver. When we were talking through this, it was really interesting because I said, Jana, do you understand that, that there's a reason why you love your job? Because it fits perfectly. You're, every day you get up and there's problems that exist. People who are on the outside of society because of the language barrier that exists for deaf or deaf and blind people. And when you interpret, you bring them in and bring them together. You overcome those obstacles. You include people who have been excluded and you do that all the time looking for the best in the situation, looking for the best in people. So it's a great fit for your job. You know, it is a great fit. And I think because of my dominant personality, most, most of us who are dominant, are, we can turn that emotion on and off. Uh -huh. We have that skill. So I can go from a really sad, horrible situation and have the thick skin and then go to the baby's birth and still have that neutrality that I'm supposed to have. So it, it, it fits me like glove. And, and um, you're completely in charge. You are your own boss. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Come on it. now. So, Dominant, right? Uh, yes. Optimistic, inclusive problem solver. How does yes. that fit in the kingdom of God? Um, you're the pastor. You tell me how that works. <laughs> um, we're, we're having a really interesting conversation in terms of unpacking that because she's not sure. And it's, it's this that we've talked about in this series. You've got the common calling and you've got the unique calling. And Jana's doing this. She's, she's got it going on one side. She, her unique identity fits in her unique calling in a great way. And she's still trying to figure out, okay, how's that fit in the kingdom? How do I make that kayak really take off and go? And uh, so... Life group is going to be really fun this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Give it up yes. for Jana. Thank her for coming up on stage. Thanks. You know what? When Jana retires from her position as a, as a, a deaf interpreter, she will still be an optimistic, inclusive problem solver. Because you can retire from a job but you can never retire from a calling. Here's what I want to leave you with today. You are not God's oopsalon, all right? You are not God's oopsalon. You're not an accident. God has designed you for a purpose. And when you understand that God has made you unique, that his unique design is there so that you can impact the body of Christ and so that you can impact the world, the only response that makes any sense at all is for you to take yourself and put you in God's hands and say, God, take me. You're the one who made me. I will only find 
fulfillment. I will only find any measure of sense to my life in your hands. A really, really cool thing is going to happen to finish the service today. And that's that Gwen Gaffney is going to be baptized. Uh, she's going to live out in a very clear way this decision that says, God, I trust you completely. I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. I believe that, God, you sent him to earth to die for me. And I'm placing my faith in him absolutely. I'm making a public decision of that. Here's what's going to happen. We're going we're gonna to stand together and sing. And I want you to, while we sing, I want you to pray and say, God, help me figure out, help me carve out the time, help me make the commitment um, to figure out my unique identity. Um, do that while we sing. Uh, we'll be getting ready for baptism. As soon as we're done with the song, I want to encourage you to just sit down. Nobody's going to come up and tell you to do that. Just sit down, and uh, Gwen's going to tell her story on video, and then we're going to celebrate together in her baptism. Let me pray. God, uh, I, I thank you for the power and truth of your word. God, I thank you that we are indeed fearfully and wonderfully made, that you, um, before we were born, you etched into us your design that makes us different than any other person. God, help all of us to place ourselves in your hands completely. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand together. Let's sing.